0: You are listening to A Miracle in the Making with Sarah Pennick. Hello everyone. I hope you are having a fantastic week. I am super excited to announce in the next couple weeks we're going to have some special episodes about moving mountains. We had talked about that probably the first or second episode about what do we have to do to get these mountains to move? And so now people are sharing their testimonies of things that God has done in their life about how they couldn't see how they were going to get through something or they didn't know how Something was going to happen, and suddenly God did. God did something amazing in their life. And I think it's really important that we share these stories with one another because they are tools of encouragement. They help us see that even though we're going through something now, that it's not going to always be that way, and that there is hope in the midst of chaos always. So I encourage you, if you want your story to be a part of this, that's fine. You still have time. You just need to email it to me or contact me at booking at sarahepenn.org. I'd love to talk with you and hear your story. I mean, I'll be honest, these stories have been encouraging to me. So I cannot wait to share them all with everybody else on here. I've been thinking a lot this week about grace and about forgiveness and about mercy, which is a wonderful thing to think about. Um, It's a wonderful thing to receive, but I think sometimes we get so used to it in our Christian circles and our religious growing up that we forget just the depth and the ocean of what grace means and what mercy means because I guess we're used to it, but I think that becoming quote-unquote used to it has kind of lessens its power in our own lives. You know, when you talk to someone who has lived a life of suffering and sin and has gone through, you know, walked through the valley of the shadow of death or gone through hell and and came back through God's mercy and grace, they will talk about what grace means. They will talk about what it did for them. It's like, you know, the hymn, Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, who was, you know, a slave trader. And when he writes the song, which, by the way, has so many verses, more than we could ever even possibly imagine. When he writes a song and he goes into this depths, I mean, you can just imagine what relief it was for him to know that that pain that he carried around, the shame that he carried around, when it was lifted off of him, how free it was. But in my own life, I know that in the past, I have really struggled with accepting that freedom, accepting that grace, because I had this idea that I had to pay for it somehow. I don't know if it's because it was the way I was raised and the church that I was raised in. I had a very weird religious... I mean, I was raised Christian, obviously. um, But my dad went to one church. My mom went to another church. So we would go to church as a family with my father. And then we would go to church with my mother, mostly. Um, And they were completely two separate, different worlds. I mean, they believed in Jesus. Jesus was the foundation for both. And he died for the sins and, you know, all that the the foundational stuff was there for both. But there were some very big doctrinal differences, especially when it came to things like grace. In my father's church, penance was a huge thing. Like you, you had to go through penance in order to show that you were really sorry for what you have done. And then with my mom and that church, it was more like, you had to never do it again in order to show that you had. were really sorry. So for one, great, uh, you know, forgiveness and saying you're sorry meant penance. And then in one, it meant change. And both of these things are very, very hard when one's trying to do this all on their own. Because uh, I don't think we were ever meant to really go through that by ourselves. God was supposed to walk through us with all this, but still, this was kind of became a foundational thing in my life that I had to pay for my sins and then I had to change on my own. And That's not really the message that I think either one of them were trying to get across, but when you're young and you don't ask a lot of questions and you kind of just take everything in, I think sometimes we we just take what we hear and we form our own opinions about it and then we don't really test it against the word. We we kind of rely, it's a danger of relying on what we hear only and, and not reading the the word and discerning for ourselves and listening to holy spirit about what these things mean we just kind of take it at face value and i think a lot of churches we do that we sit there in, in, in our little comfy chairs or our pews or whatever it is that we have and we we listen and we digest but we we don't really process it we just say oh it was said from the pulpit it was said um, from the podium therefore it must be truth and we shall live our lives accordingly and you know we forget the people that are speaking they' they're human, they have their own opinions, they have their own things too, and so we need to we need to judge it against the Word of God. we need to pray about everything that we hear, and yeah, we know we you hear truth, you know truth, but you know what I'm saying we need to be a little bit more discerning in what we take into our brain anyway that was a little little side note there. But this whole idea of grace and mercy and forgiveness and and stuff has been a part of me growing up. And it was very, very hard for me to learn how to forgive myself because I felt like I hadn't suffered enough for my sins, if that makes any sense. I hadn't paid enough penance for it. Like, forgiveness um, wasn't—it had to be earned in my— and And it's not like I had his conscious decision. It was just like subconsciously in my emotions, uh, I just felt like I needed to suffer, I guess, in order to receive forgiveness and in order to receive grace, in order to inspire change on my own. And that God didn't want me to come to him before this change had occurred, because in order to be sorry, I had to change first. Uh, if anybody's following with me, everybody's been there, you understand it's very difficult because we need God, we need Jesus, we need Holy Spirit in order to change. We need their help. I mean, it's 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 a pro it's a story it's a progressive story, and you can't just go like voila you know and everything's better. So, uh, I was carrying this around and I, and I was serving God and, and doing all the things that I needed to do. But you know, I had a, a time in my life when I really really struggled. You know, teenage years, early twenties, trying to find my place in the world, trying to judge, you know, model my own what's. What was right, what was wrong, you know this whole your whole viewpoint changes and and even though my parents did the best job that they could to prepare me for it, you know you still you encounter things, everybody knows that goes out there you encounter temptations, you encounter things that you didn't really have before, especially if you were pretty sheltered and so I encountered those things, and you know i I flirted around with things I shouldn't have flirted around with, and you know eventually I did get earned a little bit and suffer and, and have to go through some, some huge, huge healing stuff later on in my life. But uh, the, the shame of the things that I did when I was younger, it still carried around with me for a long time. And so it's like maybe part of what I was doing in, in ministry was kind of like trying to earn goodwill towards God because, you know, I messed up at one point in my life. And so I had to earn his grace or earn his favor, which is totally not what any of this is all about. But because I had that mindset, it really did affect how I operated. And so I would overdo things and I have a tendency to overdo things anyway. Like I am a go big or go home type of person, but then I, I will physically like bird out and so like I'm going home. Um but I will try and I will give, I'll give, I'll give until there's nothing left and then I will stay into that place of nothing left until I literally just can't anymore and And then I just, you know, fall into a ball on the floor and then I rest for a little bit and then I get back up and then I do the same thing or I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. Because like, again, I said, I I felt like I had to earn God's love. I had to earn his forgiveness. I had to earn his mercy. I had to earn his grace. And I never felt like I was quite enough. And and I'm sure it also goes back to, you know, we all suffer with self-esteem issues. We all suffer with things that, that we just feel less than. And so it kind of fuels us when we're doing our things that we think are good. We think, and they are good. They're just, something is in the foundation that is pushing us forward in a way that isn't healthy for us, if that makes any sense to anybody out there. So... I was going on life like this, and I just kept feeling that no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough for God. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And I'm not, it's not like I did anything like horribly huge, but you know, when it comes to sin, sin is sin. I, sometimes we have this idea that there's big sins and there are little sins, but you know, anything that separates us from God hurts us, and it. I think you know. It, it hurts God in a way because he loves us so much and he doesn't want to see us suffer. I mean, I know when I look at my own children, when they do something that is wrong, when they do something that is, especially if it's hurtful towards them, if they do something to hurt themselves, man, I hurt. I hurt, you know, that they didn't listen to me, you know, and they have to suffer. I hate watching them suffer. You know, you say, don't run the house and they run the house and then they fall down they hit their head. I mean, I am like, ha ha, that's what you get. I mean, I feel really bad that they didn't listen to me that they that they were hurt. And I think God's, you know, he doesn't want us to suffer that way. He doesn't want us to to hurt that way. And so we have to remember that we are loved, but still um, big sins, little sins. I mean, it's all sin. It's all stuff that we need to stay away from, which is why we get back to grace. But anyway, so I was carrying this stuff around and I remember this, this dream and I had shared this dream with somebody else because they were sharing their story and it, it reminded me of this, and I hadn't thought about this dream in a very, very, very long time, but it was one of those dreams that, like, when you wake up, it's like, you know, you feel like you were just in the presence of God for real, and that, you know, everything just looks differently, and you have a completely changed perspective, and this is one of those dreams for me, where it just, it changed everything, so I wanted to share it with you, because it was so impactful in my own life. So in this dream, I was in a cave. It was a very, very dark cave. And there were people around, but they were all in chains. And they were all, like, suffering in bondage. Kind of like if you would think, um, if you ever watched movies about uh, Egypt and about the Israelites. Um, just toiling away in chains, trying to build something for a, a king that was unjust. If that makes any sense. For, like, a pharaoh. And even in the background of this cave, there was, like, these pictures that were being reflected on the wall and it was building this pyramid and there was this false king there that was standing in the throne and they were just toiling away and they were just toiling away and and it was building for nothing it was building something that wasn't going to last and they were i was just looking around and i couldn't believe what was happening i couldn't believe that nobody was helping these people like how could they be hidden in this cave working so hard and and nobody's saving them from this tyranny that they're having to endure and then I realized that I too had some chains on me and I wasn't working the way that they were working, but I was still bound and I was like, oh, this is not good. How did I get here? How did I allow myself to be here? And I cried out to God, God, save me. God, I need you to deliver me from this place. This is not okay. And suddenly like all of that was gone and the chains were gone. I was still in the cave, um, but instead of the projections of, of the, you know, Pharaoh and the um, pyramids and all that stuff being cast on the wall. Instead, it was my own life, and God was there. God was now on the throne instead of this fake pharaoh person. And my own mistakes were now playing on there. They were now right in front of me and it crushed me to watch all of these things, all the little things, even little things were on there, you know, like when you decide as a child to take that cookie, even though your mom said no, but yet still it crushed me, like everything that I did, it was just like, you're standing in front of God and you know, you're standing in front of God and all of these things are playing out and you just, the shame and just how disappointing you must be to God to do all of this. And then um, it stopped playing and I just fell to my knees just broken and crushed because I was just heartbroken. That's the only way I can describe it. I mean, literally heartbroken that I would betray the one that I loved so much. I would betray God so much with my actions from the time that I was little until now. And I just sobbed. And then God said the most shocking words I could think of at the at the time because it just didn't make sense and he said Sarah I am so proud of you. And I'll be honest when I heard the words I am so proud of you like it it was such a shock that it hurt and I was like god did you not see what I saw did you just not watch the same thing I watched like I am a horrible wretched human being I, I don't deserve you, you're to be proud of me. I, I don't deserve, I don't understand. And it was almost like anger, but it was just like, is God making fun of me by saying that he's proud of me? Like, is, is he being sarcastic? You know, I, I completely did not and could not understand how he could utter those words, I'm proud of you after watching what I just watched. And then he smiled in my dream and said, you know, I'll fall, I'll mess up, but you, Sarah, you chose not to stay there. You chose to reach out to me and I am so proud of you and I just started to cry and then I I, I woke up and those words just just left me in it and it's so true all of us mess up all of us we do stuff that we're not supposed to do at one time or the other we get angry we lose our temper or we get tempted and we fall into it things happen and and we screw up But what matters is that we choose not to stay there. When we recognize that we have failed, when we recognize that we have done something that isn't right, that isn't just, that isn't godly, that we turn to God and say, God, help me, I messed up. I am so sorry, be the king of my life. Come and rescue me, forgive me for my sins. And God does, and, and he's not like a parent, you know, like when your teenager comes home late or does something, admits something stupid, he doesn't have this need to give us this huge lecture, well, blah, 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 and I told you so, blah, 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 and that's kind of what we think will happen when we, when we go to God with our sins and regrets, but instead, it's a, I am so proud of you. I am so proud that you admitted that you were wrong and that you recognized the bondage that you were walking into and you called my name, that you reached out to me and made me king again, that you made me Lord again of your life. Come with me. Let's walk out of this place together. That's what grace is. That is what mercy is. It is unimaginably freeing. It is unimaginably great it is truly like this song says amazing grace how sweet the sound when god says your name and says that he is proud of you man it just is just an overwhelming thought that god could be proud of us even though we make mistakes even though we mess up god can still be proud of us It's not the mistake that matters so much. It is what we do next. And we can choose to stay in that mistake. We can choose to wallow in regret and live our life that way and have all of these missed opportunities to know and understand the depth of God's great mercy and love in our life. We can totally choose that. We can carry our past around like baggage if we want to. God gives us free will to do that. But why? Why would we do that? When God wants freedom for you, he wants the false pharaohs to fall in your life. He wants those shackles and chains to drop off so that you can be free to be who he created you to be, to bow no longer to another master. And as long as you're carrying away around the, that weight, that scent of sin and regret, as long as you're carrying it around, you are giving room for that false master in your life. You're giving room for that to still be there, to still dictate and control part of your destiny. You have got to let it go. You have got to let go of what you've done, you have who you were. If God, the King of the Creator of heaven and earth, the one who sent his only son to die on the cross to suffer because of that sin and die because of that sin can forgive you, then who are you to hold on to it? Who are we to hold on to our regrets? If God can forgive us, if God does, are, are we more powerful than God? Do we have to hold on to these things because God is, is unwise in his decisions to, to forgive? No. We have to follow God's example and forgive ourselves. Let go of the past. Let go of it. Learn from it, of course. But you don't have to carry the burden of it, the weight of it any longer. Nail it to that cross. Because that's what God has done. He has called you redeemed. He has redeemed you when you turn towards him. And he wants you to be free. And it isn't always easy. And, And the enemy loves to remind us of our past but guys when you finally accept grace and mercy and those memories like come up and they be like how can you even think about that you're no better than they were you did that yourself and you could say yeah but look where I am now look what God has done in my life thank you for reminding me of what grace means thank you for reminding me of my past because I have a better future thank you for showing me where I was and the enemy hates that when you're like he tries to use something to destroy you and you're like yeah but God God did this and therefore I am no longer that person i am no longer there and i now know how i can show those people how they can see god in the midst of their circumstances i can now show them how they are a miracle in the making and about how their lives are just going to change so i challenge you guys accept grace accept mercy don't underestimate its value in any way shape or form because it is life changing it is transforming it has the power to turn darkness away. It is the light switch that we need. Grace and mercy is power. It is the power of a loving, living, God. So hold on to it. Accept it. Breathe it in if you will. Let go of that luggage that you're carrying around and continue your journey as a miracle in the making because I promise you as you walk through here the more that you accept this the more joy you're going to feel in your life. So as always be blessed and you are loved. Now I would love to hear some of your testimonies Or even hear some of your stories about the things that you're facing so that I can join you in prayer as you move forward. If you would like to do that, you can comment on whatever platform you are hearing this. Or you can email me at booking at sarahepen.org. That's S-A-R-A-H-E-P-E-N dot org. Now remember, no matter what you're facing, God is with you. Be blessed.